Listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. This is the radio show where most of the time we talk about comics. But I don't really know if we're going to talk that much comics today. My guest is uh, Amy Lockhart, whose uh, new book from Drawn and Quarterly, uh, Dirty Dishes. It's got a little bit of comics, eh? Yep, some comics. Some comics. But you're not a comicer, are you? Do you consider I'm a little some- bit of a comicer, but not a, not a full time comicer, I don't think. Not a comicer by trade? No. No. Um, I guess your main uh, artistic endeavors, to say, would be probably animation. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And I do some painting and sculpture with paper and drawing and stuff like that. And they all, looking through the work, they all kind of center around the same kind of visual icons, I guess. Am I right? Like the ladies? The, the ladies with the um, ginormous foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the ladies with the foreheads. That came from um, this... What is it? It's actually in that the Dirty Dishes book. There's um, a piece of packaging. It was from like a plastic doll. Like um, I don't know when it was from, but sort of like a budget Barbie doll. And then on it, there's, like, this great drawing of this silhouette of a head. And then from, I was just really into that drawing, and then I just kept redrawing it and drawing different versions of it. And then that's sort of where the lady came from. How old were you when you first saw that? How old was I? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I think I found it. Yes, with movable eyelids, head, and arms. Yeah, and a plastic bikini or plastic underwear. It's a pretty great doll. <laughs> Do you kind of like search for odd objects, like doing flea markets and garage sales and whatnot? I do a bit. I try to cut back. I have a small apartment, but I, I am sort of drawn to weird like little porcelain things, you know, mm-hmm. completely useless, amazing little things. <laughs> is there anything like particular of the era they come from, or is it just what the object looks like to itself? It's more just what it looks like, or just like when there's something a bit off, you know, like it's, it's like a processed thing, like mass-produced thing made for the masses, but you look at it and if you're just like, this isn't right, you know? Yeah. It's just... That's usually what I like. <laughs> or it's like a cute dog or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A cute dog with five legs. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start out, I guess, talking about your, um, I guess, your first little solo book. You've done mini comics in the past, right? Or mini zines? Done, yeah, like mini zines. Some of them have comics. Yeah, but mostly just like uh, art, little art books, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of in the vein, uh, to kind of get folks familiar, I guess, would be like in the vein of what Mark Bell does or Peter Thompson or yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason McLean. Owen Plummer. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely Mark Owen Connery. Plummer. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, yeah. And you're actually also in the uh, Naga Dodd book and the covers you as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of misshapen dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about uh, Dirty Dishes. Um, what are the dirty dishes? What are the dirty dishes? So they were, that was the zine I was doing, and it was a lot of, that was um, the, with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know where that came from, but it was like, just came up with a name for it. And then I also did this animation where, um, well, there's a comic where, the ladies, I think it might be in the Dirty Dishes, John and Quarterly one. It was yeah. in the zines where the ladies are licking these dishes, and they're run- the dishes are running away from them, and they are trying to catch them so they can, like, lick the dirty dishes. I don't know. And um, and then in the wa- my Wasp Walk animation, I use that, too, where there's these little dishes that people often think of them as eggs, which is fine. And they're always running, and the ladies are after them, trying to lick them clean, do their lady work, you know? I don't know. <laughs> and, the, um, and the book, Dirty Dishes, is, there's some new, it's a, sort of like an overview of a lot of the, the drawings and paintings and some sculptures I've done that deal with just, like, the, those women, you know, portrayals of women. And also there's, like, a lot of, like, goofy pictures of drawings of guys and stuff in there and then so that it goes back a bit and then there was a lot of newer stuff that I had made for a show I had at um, La Centrale in um, the Artist Run Center in Montreal mm-hmm. so there was a lot of that stuff in it too it's um, talking about the the dirty dishes and that there's a big idea I guess of kind of maybe post-feminism ideas in the work, I feel like it's um, kind of like a struggle with identity or like kind of a rejection of identity. Would that be something I'm just putting in there? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah, I guess... uh, Yeah. I guess... (laughs) Sure. Um, uh, What what is it? I don't know. It's just... Um... (laughs) I guess a bit post-feminism, sure, and just like the, I I try to like figure it out, put it into words, but I find any time I do, it's just like, oh God, I don't know, you know, but a lot of it too is just, just, um, I don't know, sure, post-feminism. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm, use, I'm, I may be using the wrong term, but I guess like, I kind of like see it like you are mentioning before, the doll that you got from the originally inspiration of the the foreheads um it seems like there's play with uh like that barbie aesthetic but not going to in that direction 
like kind yeah, of yeah. I guess yeah, it's like a weird version of that. Yeah, like it's kind like kind of the sexy pinup girl, but not quite. You know, no, no like not. a bit like screw you too, buddy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> now, um, when did you start getting into doing animation? Because that's a big part of what you do, right? Oh, I started that in 1997. Um, with I was going I was going to Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, and uh, at the time they were doing film classes through the Atlantic Filmmakers Co-op. So I started taking some film classes through that, and then there was a woman, Helen Hill, who was teaching experimental um, animation, mm-hmm. and then so I started taking her classes, and and that was before, like back in the day, before um, computer animation or like animation with video cameras and flash was really easy so it was almost easier to work on 60 millimeter film which is what we were working on then with oxberry stands and everything so so i started making films through that and she was an amazing teacher and was all about just like making stuff and just getting it out there and just exposing people to like as many different um, techniques and that sort of thing. So it all of a sudden opened up this world of just like making work and it being like really readily accessible and understood and like open to like a really broad audience where people could, you know, go to a movie theater and pay $5 and see it or, you know, just something that's a little less hoity toity than art can mm-hmm. seem sometimes, you know? So that was really, I really appreciated that. And then, uh, then I got, I guess I got a bit disillusioned with art school and dropped out and then just started, I wrote, um, I ended up going to Calgary to the Quick Draw Animation Society, which is one of, I think it's one of Canada, no, there's an animation co-op in Toronto too, but it's this really great animation co-op in Calgary and took some courses there and just sort of like created a path of study and just learned like more traditional animation and then from there just kept making films and stuff. Was Walk for Walk your first major? Yeah, that was like my thesis or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was, I had all these smaller ones before that were usually one minute or two minute sort of thing, which or six minutes. And then that one was the big ten minute one with um, lots of like planned out movement. You know, it was like mm-hmm. using over a thousand hand painted cutouts and stuff like that. So it was a bit of a insane project i could just i couldn't imagine the work that went into that it was pretty crazy i went to what was it it took a about a year to do all the art and then i went to back to quick draw because it was on film so i had to go someplace where they had a camera and then just spent maybe four months filming like nine hour days maybe five to six day weeks and just sort of sleeping at the co-op you know, it was just a bit insane, and then and then I finished filming it, and then ran out of money, and then returned to Vancouver, and and then w- wrote some more grants and got money for the sound and stuff like that, and built a keep going with the stories and built um. <laughs> no, I, I'm really like, curious about it because it's really an odd cartoon. Odd little work. Yeah. And then the sound. So I started working on the sound, and I just got Pro Tools. Do you know that? It's mm-hmm. like. Well, the M box, you can, it's like a sound recording thing you can do with your laptop and computer. So I got that and I was like, oh, well, I'll just record in my living room. And then I didn't realize it picks up like so much. I could hear my neighbors and, you know, the computer and everything. So I built an isolation box, which is like a mini version of a sound booth in my living room. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was basically like almost like a cardboard insulated fort, but the cardboard was made out of this sort of um, drywall, but it's drywall that's paper pulp. It's made to resist sound. So it was like layers of that with dead airspace, insulation, another layer of that, and then inside was covered with egg cartons that just deadened the sound. Then I had this crazy like two-layer door that we would pull in to close it all up. And then on one wall, I put in this double-layered plexiglass window. <laughs> so it was about four inches by six inches or something. And I could look through that and see my laptop. And then my laptop, the mouse 
wire was like coming through a hole and then the mic wire or the Pro Tools box wire was coming through a hole. So I had a mic and the headphones in there and I would like look at the the image going by and sort of record like a little toy in there sort of thing as it went by, you know, and then and then do that until there was no air left and then I'd go out and take a break sort of thing. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> one- maddening. It was pretty crazy. And then once I, um, there's one voice on it of the crying kitten, which is um, Frances Devlin, who lives in Vancouver. When she was, I don't know, she would have been seven or eight, maybe. But she came over and she was recording the sound with my friend Alex, and they were in there recording it. And then she was like, it's too hot. I need to get out. <laughs> so I felt really bad and <laughs> let her out of the box, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's like some kind of medieval torture device slash recording studio. Yeah, Yeah. child labor. Well, the kids got to do something, right? I know. Teach some character. There we go. It'll it'll make you stronger in the long run, kid. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna do a quick song break. Um, Any particular track you'd like to hear? From no, go for it. Okay. I think I'm going to play Sundown. So uh, we'll be right back. Ink Studs, CITR 101.9 FM. I can see her lying back in her satin
Scenic Drive, every Friday morning, 10 a.m. till noon, CITR. We're back. Inkstead, CITR 101.9 FM. I'm chatting with Miss Amy Lockhart. Uh, next week on the show, I'm hoping will be a conversation between uh, me and Jordan Crane and Sammy Harkham about uh, Jordan's new website, What Things Do, which features comics by those two boys, as well as many others, including Ted May, Steve Wiseman, and tons more to come. How you doing, Amy? Pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's a lovely, warm Vancouver day here. We haven't actually experienced winter very much this year, so. Snowing here. Little mini blizzard. Oh, Montreal. The land of poutine and hot dogs and everything else wonderful in life. Yeah. Now, we were just talking about uh, Walk for Walk. Um, I'm curious, what were some of the animations you saw that kind of made you want to do animation or were there um, any it made me want to do them probably a lot of helen helen hills films and uh, trixie um sweet Vittles films um and then helen's because um they're just very handmade and just really like really interesting use of objects um and then trixie's because uh, one of hers, uh, La Mujer Lagartia, was a super big influence on me, and it was just um, just the the simpleness and the like the goofiness of it, and just using sort of like a brute brute drawing style, just seeing people make stuff that isn't like um, so slick like Disney or you know when stuff is so slick and so well done it almost seems like alienating a bit Mm -hmm. so just that whole thing of accessibility again so just being like uh, opened up to to just more handmade like personable films you know I kind of feel like that you've got this there's this aesthetic in kind of the circle of folks you're kind of connected with your contemporaries where it's like not quite a rejection of fine art per se, but the kind of art should be open, maybe? Yeah, I think it's more just like recognizing that that art that's that art art isn't just like one thing, that it isn't just this institutional high art idea of art, but also things that are created like mass produced things, those are just as a valid part of our culture. You know, or even more so you know, and it, there was a there's the the Harry Who. Do you know those guys from Chicago no. back in the seventies? There's this great group of uh, artists, and I'm going to totally misquote this. Excuse <laughs> me, <laughs> but it was something like they were they viewed the the comic comics as like the true American art form. You know, just this idea that I don't know. It's just something nice, like this this recognizing like this sort of like outsider art or that. That like interesting draw, like just that that everyday things are valid, you know, like mm-hmm. mass-produced things are valid, and just like that excessive, like sometimes when things are elevated just because they're hard to get, and it's sort of like a false reality of it, you know, mm-hmm. like a bit emperor's new clothes, like oh this is so important because it's so stiff and hard to understand and rare, you know? <laughs> and Which, that's easily to access, so it's not valid. Or I don't know. I don't you know. know, it's funny, though, because, like, I've heard, and this isn't my personal viewpoint, but I've heard that also described of, like, the Naga Dodd work by some folks that kind of see it as, like, is this art, like, or is this just a bunch of guys doodling on scraps of paper oh, and tossing yeah, it yeah. together? So it's just interesting hearing that and kind of seeing... Yeah, because it could be used... Yeah, because it could be seen as the same thing, like those the that scene of drawing thing. But mm-hmm. I think Nagadad to me it represents more of like a historical thing of this moment that happened in time when like zines were around, like before websites, before like blogs and stuff. People made zines, and then a lot of the zines were, you know, like writing and stuff like that. But then there was this other part that was sort of like art, little art books. You know, and it just seemed like such a weird thing, like people trading art books, you know, like a different way to express yourself, not just, you know, mm, well, someone uh, eat can the go rich, and... fight the man, you know, <laughs> like it, would, it was sort of this, 
you know, so and it just seemed like like um just this blip, this really interesting blip in time where people before it was even recognized before like the Royal Art Lodge and all that stuff of drawing collectives, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's really interesting because there wasn't that recognition, so it was more like pure intentions or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a bit more like outsider arty. So that's why I think that stuff's interesting. How um how did that work for you, um, in the kind of influence of being around these other folks and kind of trading little art books and representing Pretty- within your old work? pretty big like i that thing was going on was well on its way and then i came along and was like oh wow neat and joined in you know so i think it was just sort of opened it up to because my the school i went to uh nescad was it's a pretty conceptual school and a lot of the the art created there was very like a bit dry and conceptual you know so it was a bit like that that idea of art and just like oh geez really is that what it is and then to see like, same thing with the animation. Like, oh, wow, there's this whole other world that people just make things and, you know, share them sort of thing. And just, like, the same with the art book. Like, oh, people just make, like, really interesting things. And you can do this. You can create. I guess it's a bit. That Nesca conceptual thing, too, was also about creating other ways to show your art. So, mm-hmm. like, these books, in a sense, were that a way of doing that, too. So it was just, like, just seeing these interesting networks and people just creating their own networks and audiences i gotta say there's something like inspiring inspiring and profound about like say 16 page jason mclean little tiny photocopied book which just has so much inspiration going through that yeah yeah or 2010 page owen Plummer book (laughs) 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 to represent vancouver Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, there's something, yeah, it's pretty amazing when people are so, both of those guys are, like, so dedicated, you know, to, like, just making stuff all the time. Like, it's a pretty amazing thing and not, and, like, it's just, like, I'm always impressed by that and always, like, admire that when people are just so driven by, by something that's really immaterial and really not, you know, like, I don't know. It's fascinating because it is, it is, like you said, like, a snapshot at time like looking at what all of you are doing like looking at your work and kind of comparing that to seeing where you are now with the art show you just did or like owen who's now doing like illustration for you know a fashion line in england oh yeah yeah you know it's all this it's it's really just yeah I guess. or jason doing the the isn't he decorating the buses for the olympics did oh, i get that right i have no idea i haven't talked I to him in a while it would be nice to see something nice at the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's neat how like that. It's well, it's nice to see it too when people's stuff gets appreciated and gets like mm-hmm. infiltrates other worlds, you know? Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about your art show um that you just did. Um mm-hmm. what, what was it called again? Uh, what was it? Give up the ghost. Give up the ghost. I was really fascinated. I was looking at someone took photos of the stuff in the show. Um, the collagist. Mm-hmm. I was. I'm really fascinated by that one. That one just like blew me away. It's this like kind of. It seemed like a meeting of your animation with uh, cartooning work in this. I don't know. Do the parts move? Hmm. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you about how that came about? Oh, please. That <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so was, uh, uh, so Trixie, Three Vittles, who I'd mentioned before, she was uh, working at the uh, California Art Institute, the summer school program, and uh, she asked us to be um, artists in residence. So we figured out that was our way of collaborating. So Mark, at the time, Mark, he still is doing a lot of, like, collages with drawn bits, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So then I did a sort of a recreation of his hands making a collage, one of his collages, and then the, the collage bits, he drew, we both drew, he, you know, it was like 50-50, sort of, he drew half, I drew half, he cut up little bits sort of thing, and... um a lot of the pieces were cycles, like loops, you know, like a hand waving or something. So I would just replace the piece and it would sort of have a drawing on top of it that was animated. Or it would just be like a shape that would like a blob that would move around. Um, 
and then oh yeah and then this the storyline was very simple it was just like two hands putting it together and then they smoke a cigarette and relax but then the cigarette lights the clot on fire and they take the cup of co- oh they drink some coffee and then they take a cup of coffee and put the fire out and then wipe it all clean and and um and then it just starts over again and then that was created using that was the first time was that the first time that might have been the second time uh, first time anyways I, one of the first times I used Frame Thief which is this um, shareware program it costs around $30 there's another one called iStop Motion and then you can just hook up a video camera or some still frame digital cameras and just capture stuff and you know just two desk lamps or anything like a very simple setup so that's how we did it it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about putting together that show. Is that kind of to correspond with the release of this book or just kind of something independent? That was actually, the book was after that. That was a bit of the release, the finishing um, The Collagist. Mm-hmm. That sort of went with that and just just a show. You know, I had a bunch of paintings and some uh, like papier mache style sort of uh, sculptures I'd been working on. Like the uh, the bust in the back of the book yeah exactly yeah and some uh, crochet too oh yeah that, that wasn't in the show but that was something I had done before yeah that was a crochet of one of the ladies that was in the walk for walk animation did you ever watch Jodorowsky movies no who's that Alejandro Jodorowsky he did like the holy mountain and oh I have, I'm really bad with the names sorry yeah the holy mountain that was funny and El Topo, it's just, it kind of reminded me, your uh, your limbless uh, figures kind of reminded me a bit of that. I'm not, I don't know. That mutated. Interesting, yeah. He, he likes to use. That's where they all go on the mountain at the end, and they're like, oh, it was a dream. Yes. Something That's like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> you crazy people. <laughs> yeah. It's a lovely movie, if people Have you ever seen, seen Cabin Boy? By any chance? Cabin. Is that the Chris Elliott one? Chris Elliott. That's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it have, like, David Letterman in it, too, or something? It does. David Letterman does a cameo. Ricky Lake's in it. It's in, uh... Yeah. Shark Boy. There's a boy, a man who's, like, half shark, half man, swimming around. I think Andy Richter's think in it, too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What, what, the ending's a little ridiculous, but the... You know, it's pretty great. <laughs> Oh, I think even um, Roseanne Barr's um, crazy ex-husband, isn't it? I think. Tom no. Arnold. Or maybe, maybe not Tom Arnold. Maybe her husband from the the Roseanne show. Oh, John Goodman. It? I think John Goodman's in it. I'm not sure. Was that movie anyway. influential on you? It's a great <laughs> movie. I'd love to make a movie like that. It takes a certain level of... Uh, crazy crazy i think to come up with that movie in a good way and then i heard it uh it sort of ruined his career which is sad it's too bad yeah no i don't get it (laughs) it was amazing i don't know now bobcat goldthwait makes crazy depressing movies so what's this world coming to i'm gonna do another song break okay um any particular choice or should i just play whatever i feel like Whatever you feel like. Okay. We'll be right back. Ink Studs, CITR 101.9 FM. Here's some more Gordon Lightfoot. Seven islands to the high side of the bay. Across the bay to the sun. And we saw how leaves had fallen On the beds where trees are born Any man in his right mind Could not fail to donate a well Any woman with the gift of wisdom Would not see her answers there 
high side of the bay If you're looking west to the sunset You can see it all in the fiery autumn dress Every time would be the right time to come up to your bed Anybody with a wish to wander could not fail but to feel out. CITR 101.9 FM. Amy, I have to ask, what's with yep. Gordon Lightfoot? <laughs> um, I think I was trying to come up with a fourth song, and then I was looking up the Seven Island Suite. 
one, I couldn't remember the name. I'm very bad with names. And then I found a whole song list, and I was like, I just filled up my whole song list. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good and Canadian of you. Kid Canadian. He's a good dude. Good singer-songwriter, you know? He's He's a national treasure. National treasure. Yeah. I think he is. I don't know. Do we have national treasures in Canada? I'm not sure. I think so. Okay. So what do you have that you're working on right now? Curious, right curious. Right now, I am trying to make a live-action film with some animated special effects. And it's based on the the Dizzler comic I did for the Gansfeld. Mm-hmm. The Japanada edition, right? Yeah, the Japanada edition. So... It's pretty much based on that one, and then I've been writing grants to try to get funding, which I found out about in um, March. And then hopefully I get some money so that I can make it, or else I'm going to try to make it with no money, which sucks. will be very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read a lot of Dazzler read, uh, growing up? No, that one, I found that, the Dazzler, I might have found that at Gabe's. Uh, comic shop or some comic shop in Lucky's in on Main Street. Yeah, I might have found it at Lucky's at like the dollar bin. And then uh, I think it might have been there. And then I like the dollar bin because you can get a bunch in a series, mm-hmm. you know? So I found a couple in the series and then I, I just read it and I just thought it was, it was like it's just a really funny and ridiculous character. She's, um, she's, yeah, the Dazzler and she's, um, suffering she just wants to be a pop star but she's been like she has these superpowers so she's kind of like deal with that and um she also roller skates everywhere which is really great and then there was one scene where she's like uh in the on the grass in a field by a waterfall fighting these uh, evil people but she's still got her roller skates on anyways it was really funny she's like you can't roller skate on I'm always surprised. So, like, I know some people that are madly obsessed—not obsessed, but love the Dazzler comic. Like Robin Bougie, we would go shopping together, and I think he'd have better taste. Not that Dazzler's a bad comic, but he is like scrounging down to find every issue and then gets them bound into big books. Oh no way! So I I have. I have some issues you might be interested in. <laughs> Are you done with Dazzler? I'm kind of done. I think I'm done with Dazzler. I've moved on. Yes. <laughs> what other comics I'm, are you loving? Oh, I just got into uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, nice. Last year I got um, one of those compilation ones of a bunch that that were done, and they're pretty amazing. They have great, like the Chester Gold guy's a maniac right wing yeah. guy, but as it okay. translates into comics, it's pretty great. Like these great uh, evil women characters, which is so rare, you know? It's usually like the dumb, innocent woman, you know? Yeah. But like, they're just great. Like there's this one Crewy Louie where this woman has like these great huge bug eyes and she has sort of like a mullet crew cut. <laughs> She, like, kidnaps, <laughs> kidnaps Dick Tracy's baby and, like, runs up a tower. I don't know. It's great. And uh, well ahead of the curve in haircuts, I see. Ahead, pardon me? He's he's well ahead of the curve and uh, predicting I haircuts. I know. Totally. She'd probably be some, like, be some Mont- Montreal hipster now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's also, there's also really great deaths where it's, like, it's, like, that whole... American or whatever thing where it's like the good guy is strong and he overcomes all these evildoers, but he never really like kills them or something, you know, or like he doesn't kill them without warrant or I don't know, like he would be fighting someone and the evildoer would like fall out the back window. And then one one time he speared himself on this flag there was like this part of this monument to dead soldiers. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> like it was this awful, gory death created by Chester Gould for his Dick Tracy character. Yet Dick Tracy had nothing to do with it. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's pretty great. It's terrible, but wonderful. Yeah. Terrible, but wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Now, what was your interest? Like, we didn't go back this far, but what was your interest in going to art school at first? I think I would just always did art, you know? So I think when I was in grade five, I, th- I wanted to be a vet, but that didn't last too long. And then I just always did art. So it's like, 
art school, you know? It just seemed like a natural A natural thing, and then, and then it was, you know, there it was, so. Do you feel like you um, kind of, that people like Paper Rat, that's kind of contemporary to what you're doing right now? Um, how do you mean? Just, like, do you kind of feel like part of a new kind of different animation community? Like an alternative animation community? Oh, I actually would have felt a bit more like an old fogey. Oh, yeah? Compared to them. more Mostly because I started out on um, on film and stuff like that. So, so uh, and doing more like, I'm really, I'm really into like tactile, hands-on sort of thing where you can see the see the paper and see the sort of like human touch sort of thing and then I see paper out it's totally amazing but it's just a different version but I do kind of see how it relates a bit it's, it's like it's still with that it's a different version of that whole um, recognizing like mass produced things and like sort of using mass mass culture as a influence or inspiration or whatever you know mm-hmm so I do. Th- yeah, I think they're similar, but it's, but it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Do, um, tell me about the, your uh, rejected Kramer story. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was not a diss at Kramer's. I just wanted to name drop Kramer's in the book, and then I thought it'd be funny if I put rejected. Yeah. But that one, it was created for Kramer's, and it was spread out like it was badly laid out. It was the first. I think it was the first sort of color comic I had done like that. So I just created all these panels separately, and then just cut them out and put them on this really ugly brown tie-dyed construction paper. <laughs> sort of thing. I don't know, it's just, like, a lot of wasted space. So it should have been, like, a two-page story, and maybe it was, like, ten pages. So I think, you know, I think it was, like, either put mine in and take out two people or put in two people and, you know, take mine out. Yeah. Which is understandable. Do you, uh, so you worked out your uh, cartooning chops more with Dizzler? Yeah, yeah. Worked the panel out. Studied the panel. Do you think you'll make more comics? I think so. Yeah, it's a great way to uh, to just create stories. Yeah. Is it kind of? Do you use that to process towards creating the animated work? Like the animated work. Yeah, the animated work is all storyboards too. Um, like for walk for walk, a lot of that was like really. It has to be storyboarded because it's film. So it's everything that's shot, like in walk for walk, is exactly what's under the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, in exactly that order. Like, you can't really mix it around like you can with these fan- new fandangled computers. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it's a good way. And it's a good way to just sort of, like, visualize a, a story, like making a Dizzler into a film. Like, you just, like, gives you an idea of space or just organizing your ideas and stuff like that. So I'm kind of kicking myself because I knew the story was in there and I kept going, oh, I got to go grab that, got to grab that, got to grab that. And I'm on the bus here today. I'm like, ah, I forgot it. The Disler one. Yeah, the Gansfeld. Oh, that's all right. My, <laughs> my bad. So, You're bad, yeah. I'm fired. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. Oh, yeah, thanks I for think, having me. I think we're near the end of our time slot here. Um, I really enjoy Dirty Dishes, and of course, I enjoy Nagadod as well, and uh, both wonderful books that more people should thank check out. So, thank you. Thank you. And enjoy your blizzard. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your temperate climate. I will. Thank you so much, Amy. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. Bye. So, once again, that was Amy Lockhart I was yakking with. Her book is Dirty Dishes from Drawn and Quarterly as well. Um, you can find more of her work in Nagadod from the fine folks at Conundrum. And uh, it's a, also a great collection of stuff um, with a lot of the folks who are mentioning Jason McLean, Owen Plummer. And I think you can also get it from Picturebox, who also carry Gansfeld, the Japanida edition. Up next at 3 o'clock, we have uh, Japanese Music West, followed by La Connexion Francaise. I don't know. Did I get it right? The French Connection. Thanks, y'all, folks. Uh, Remember next week, Jordan Crane and um, Sammy Harcum will be talking about what things do, hopefully. Week after, I'll be playing an interview with the uh, very interesting, uh, much to say, uh, Zach Sally about his book, Like a Dog. Um, See y'all later.
Alone upon the sidewalks of despair T'was there she wandered With her suitcase in her hand Her fate she pondered Only a go-go girl in love With someone who didn't care She met him on a night so rare When her friends were there And the band was grooving When he gave a glance that said how much he would like to meet her How was she to know at the time he would mistreat her In her cage she danced for him although a hundred eyes would turn her way And before the set was through he knew she would be his loved one Only a go-go girl in love with someone who didn't care Only 21, she was a young girl just in from somewhere Michigan in a group they call the intended With a kiss and a promise he was gone The song was ended But as she walks she waits for him The pavement is a shoulder for her tears But in her heart she knows there is no way She can hope to change him Girl in love with someone who didn't care Only 21, she was a young girl just in from somewhere Only a go-go girl in love with someone who didn't care A go-go girl in love Morning. Good day to you, sir. Hey, wait a minute, what the hell? Oh. 